Hello and welcome back at it to the Life in Red podcast, episode 125. It's amazing. Thank you. A um, couple of housekeeping items as uh, you may still be listening in November. Uh, I am raising money for men's mental health in the Royal Mental Health Center here in Ottawa. So if you would like to donate to that cause and my mustache, uh, you can do so at the link tree in my bio uh, at Big Red Ryan one and Life from Red Podcast uh, on social. As well as I have a mental health talk on December 9th. You can find the link in the same link tree bio. Uh, and I'm working with Impact Hub Ottawa as well as Next Gen Eastern Ontario to do a mental health talk. It's from 12 to 1. It's free or you can make a donation. Uh, I would love to see you there. My guest today met on Twitter as many of my guests. And uh, if you're not on that app, you can absolutely meet some incredible people. And she is one of my favorites. We have a mutual connection over hockey um, and a love for the sport, but not only just a love for the sport, but growing the game and the women's game. I'm so passionate about uh, helping the professional women's game uh, gain notoriety, but also young girls playing the game and just making hockey such uh, a much more diverse and inclusive space than it is right now. Um, she runs an organization, it's called Grindstone, and I'm a big fan. They are a not-for-profit that you can donate to, and they help young girls play hockey who might not uh, be able to afford to do so. Highly recommend you check them out and make a donation if you are able and support the game. Um, we talk about the women's game. This is all about women's hockey and how we can make the game of hockey better for men and women and black people and indigenous people and people of color, just making members of the LGBTQ game, um, just making this space a much healthier environment that everyone can participate. We hear the NHL say so often, hockey is for everyone. We clearly right now, it's not. So we talk about the women's game, how we grow it. We have some ideas on how businesses and sponsors can get involved. Uh, she explains the differences between the PHF and the PWHPA. Um, and how we could maybe grow the women's game into one league, as well as many other issues surrounding hockey. Uh, again, check out Grindstone Awards. She is the president. Please give it up for my guest, Laura Oliver. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. I am absolutely delighted uh, to be welcoming Laura to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I've been so excited to meet you. I feel like I already know you. <laughs> we we associate on the Twitterverse, uh, which a lot of my guests have, but. I specifically went and found you because I'm trying to um, grow my knowledge and grow my, I guess, um, allegiance to the women's game of hockey. And so when I originally, I can't even remember how I stumbled upon Grindstone, which is an organization I'll have you touch on here in a second. I was like, I went to like, tried to like follow people who are on that team because like, I want to familiarize myself with the things that are happening in that side of the game as well so how like grindstone tell me a little bit about it and how you got involved in this this uh this mission 
Yeah, you know, it's a bit of a long story, but I'll try to keep it as, as quick take as, as possible. Long, take as long <laughs> as you want. That's why I love podcasts. <laughs> well, okay. So so a few years ago, um, well, first of all, Grindstone Award Foundation. Essentially, we provide grants to girls to play hockey who otherwise couldn't afford to play. Hockey is super expensive, as we all know. And uh, so our mission at the end of the day is to try to get more girls on the ice and remove those financial barriers for them. So we provide grants that we provide financial grants, of course, to cover registration. And then just this past season, the NHLPA graciously donated 25 sets of equipment Mm -hmm. to us as well to provide to girls to play. So um, we very quickly came to the table with this whole suite of options for girls and for their families to get on the ice. Um, So a bit about how I got involved with Grindstone. Um, So a little bit of a sad story. So I, I play hockey uh, here in Hamilton and I run a women's league and one of the coaches in our league, who was my coach, his name was Bill Needham. And he was an amazing guy. He was an, a scout for the OHL, um, super involved in the community, loved women's hockey, his biggest fan um, or his, his favorite player was uh, Tessa Bonham. And, uh, and a few years ago, he passed away. Mm. And so when he passed, the team and I wanted to donate somewhere in his name, of course. And coincidentally, like you, I was on Twitter and and came across that the Canadian Women's Hockey League was doing this event with an organization called Grindstone. And so very, very much so just stumbled across it and thought, oh, this is pretty cool. They were doing some honest stuff with some girls and the Markham Thunder. And I thought, you know what? I wonder if they need money. Uh, So looked into them and thought, oh, my goodness. When I saw that their mission was helping girls play hockey, I just a thought, oh, my goodness, Bill would have loved this. He would have just been so ecstatic that he could help these girls play. Uh, so I went back to the team and it was, uh, all hands up. Yes, we're doing this for Bill. So we made a donation to Grindstone in his name, uh, which helped two girls play hockey. We donated a thousand dollars, uh, to Grindstone. So that happened and uh, a few months passed and I kept on seeing things pop up, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook of all these amazing things Grindstone was doing. And it was one of those things where I just kept on thinking about it kept on waking up going, Oh, grindstone. Oh, look at all the, all the fun stuff they're doing. And it was one of those things where I just started thinking, you know what, I'm not done with this. There's something that's pulling me towards grindstone. And so I put up my hand to volunteer, got in touch with their founder, um, our founder, Danielle Grundy. And she was super welcoming and, and just said, yeah, come on as a volunteer. You know, we're looking to build out in Ontario. Uh, Cause historically grindstone So it was founded in Kelowna, BC, Mm. and we are very well known in BC and in Western Canada and had not yet had a presence in Ontario. So she kind of gave me that that mission of, well, what can you do in Ontario? (laughs) So uh, so got a team together and we called ourselves Team Ontario and just started uh, started working here, going to tournaments, just trying to get ourselves known in, in the community. Um, I'm one of those people that I have no fear talking to anybody. So I immediately went out to Hamilton girls, hockey, Ancaster girls, hockey on Oakville girls, hockey, and uh, just started having conversations to build awareness. And so I did that for, for about a year, just was so bought into the mission of grindstone and 
unfortunately, our founder had to step away. And that was right, right before the pandemic. And, mm. and we had been going a while without a leader. And for, for everybody out there that uh, is used to having a leader, and you just realize that it's so much better when there's somebody leading the charge, you know, like when somebody's not delegating, not assigning tasks, like nothing's really happening, right? And pandemic happened. And I was stirring, just going, you know what, like, why not me? Maybe, maybe I could do this. I, maybe I could lead this charity. Let's see what they think. And so I approached a board member and just said, Hey, I'd be interested in putting my name forward and applying. And, um, the, the board at the time loved the idea and, and voted me in. So it's very much a, this all happened because it was a, why not me, mm. uh, situation. And I just decided to put myself out there and here I am as president and, I've been in the role now for about a year and a half and, and things are moving. Things Mm. are, it's exciting. Yeah. I've, I've absolutely loved following. Um, I'm I'm new to kind of finding out about this. It's only been a couple months, but Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm such a fan of this organization and the mission that you you're on before we get into kind of women's professional league. What's, Mm -hmm. What's the state of the women's game in terms of like youth? Um, I have two young sisters who just started playing hockey. They started last year, but um, obviously the pandemic and um, everything got shut down again when we went back into lockdown. So this is the first year they're really kind of playing and they're able to play some games and they're having a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I, I look at the league they're in and I'm just outside the Ottawa area and they literally have to travel like an hour and a half on a weekday night sometimes to play a game. And they're mm-hmm. like, they're like eight years old. It's like, <laughs> like, I didn't even really have to do that as like a, a competitive hockey player. Yeah. What, I mean, across the country, I'm sure it's different everywhere, but what is, is it growing? Is it, is it shrinking? What are we seeing in terms of the game? Cause what you mentioned off the top is it's, it is not cheap to play hockey. Yeah, no, it's, it's not. Um, but I can assure you the great, the game is growing. Um, girls hockey has just been booming since, uh, the 1998 Olympics actually. Um, yeah, there's, there's data out there that shows that the the registration for girls has just been increasing year over year. And, you know, with the rise of more women's hockey leagues, um, you know, the interest is just climbing, but to your point, you know, there's different regions across Canada that, um, are excelling faster uh, than others. And each each association that I talk to is in a different situation. Um, so for instance, if you have these leagues in, in the GTA, uh, there's so many teams that are very close to each other. So travel may not be as crazy, but I've heard from applicants um, before. Well, in the applications, they say, you know, we're looking for this grant because the cost to travel to hockey is insane. There's, there's kids in Alberta who, for instance, maybe come from reserves up in the north or just towns that are, are way out of the cities. And they've told us that they're driving hours per week to hockey. And so the travel is nuts, too. So it just depends on where you're where you're at. Uh, I'm assuming that the, the registrations kind of vary across the country, but definitely in the cities, it's it's booming. And and I think that's all thanks to um, the PWHPA and the PHF being more visible to girls to play. Mm. We've definitely seen 
an increase of that this is past year with um, the in terms of visibility for the women's game. And I know when the Canadian Women's Hockey League kind of folded and, and we were a little unsure of what was going to happen. Um, it's been nice to see that, you know, companies like TSN and, and Sportsnet and uh, even ESPN now to an extent and NBC before that are are featuring these games and, and featuring these women on a, a large platform. We're still really not close to that, like where it should be, but we're getting, mm-hmm. it's, it's moving. Yep. In terms of like the women's game, can you explain kind of like the scene of it right now? Because you just mentioned two leagues. I know for people who don't follow it closely, it might be a little confusing. Like, you know, why are the Olympic teams kind of like seeming playing in one league and then there's another league and like, what's kind of happening? <laughs> and, and, and just like, a, I guess a very like Cole's notes, general yeah. version of the state of the game at yeah. like the professional level. I'll, I'll try to explain the way that I understand it as a fan. Um, so as you mentioned, there was the Canadian Women's Hockey League. Uh, that was a really exciting league. I love to go watch those games and those championships. Um, a lot of those players at the time were national uh, players, uh, Olympians. It folded. And essentially, um, what happened from there was those Olympians and those players came together and said enough is enough. Why, why do these leagues keep folding? We need to band together. And, and historically everybody knows about the Canada USA rivalry and hockey. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, So those players actually came together um, for something different. They wanted something different. They wanted a sustainable league. So they formed the players association to start that process essentially. In the meantime, towards the end of the CWHL's uh, existence, the National Women's Hockey League had formed. And it was, as people know it to be, the first professional league to exist in the women's hockey landscape because they were paying their players. From what I understand, there was a little bit of a stipend for the Canadian Women's Hockey League, but um, may have not been official, or I don't know the facts behind that, but. Um, Essentially, the National Women's Hockey League was the first uh, professional league. So that's where you get the National Women's Hockey League, who is operating as a full, full-blown full league. They have games, they have playoffs, they, um, they're building from scratch. Um, and then you have the PWHPA, who has been doing a showcase tour they are trying to build awareness for women's hockey they are trying to bring in more investment more media coverage as you mentioned um you know women's hockey is starting to become a little bit more visible but it's still not where it should be um it it definitely could be come a lot further but those are the essentially the two um there's the one league and then the players association in women's hockey right now Mm mm-hmm this is, I'm not ask, asking for opinions or anything, because I know it's mm-hmm. it can be a delicate kind of conversation in terms of, uh, you know, sponsors, everything like that. But, you know, the, I think even this week, uh, the commissioner of the PHF, formerly the NWHL, um, Tyler Timinia, uh, did speak out and say they need to find an answer soon. And I know Jana Hefford, the commissioner of the, uh, or, or at least the president, I'm not sure mm-hmm. exact title, but the, the PWHPA, um, you know, 
there's been a lot of talk. You've heard Cassie Campbell mention it a lot. You've heard prominent figures in the women's game mention it, that they need to find one league. Mm-hmm. And right now it doesn't seem close. And I mean, I don't mm-hmm. expect any of us to know the exact reasons why, but I mean, do you, do you have any insight or at least from things you've heard of just talking to whoever that why there seems to be kind of this two leagues and we can't really seem to come together in a way? Yeah. You know, from what I've seen, I think it's a case of the PW is, is done with just the basics in hockey, a basic salary, basic benefits. Actually, I don't even know if there are benefits that exist in women's hockey right now and they want more. So I get it. Um, I, I understand why there is a difference between them right now and, and unity may not be the answer at this point. It's, it's time for something different. And I think, I think that's what the PW stands for is they want a sustainable league where they don't have to work extra jobs. Mm-hmm. And currently it, as it seems with the PHF is the players do have to have that side job. And, and I'm not sure if you've seen the, um, the social media campaign, no more side hustles. And yeah. so that's what the PW is trying to fight for. And, and currently if they came together, I think it would be that the players would have to have side hustles. And, and you know what, this is, it's interesting. I was, I was thinking about this landscape yesterday and when the first Olympics that I really understood what was happening and, and, and the whole concept of gold, silver, bronze was the 2002 Olympics yeah. in Salt Lake city. Mm-hmm. And because I was a 12 year old player, I played rep. I, I went like I watched the games with my teams, um, had my favorite player on the team. And it's just, it's sad to think that it's been almost 20 years and nothing has changed. And so I think that people, corporations need to start putting their money down on the table and, and offering a solution. I think there's been a lot of campaigns trying to wa- raise awareness, uh, both by the PHF and the PWHPA, but it doesn't seem like anybody's ready to to actually put that dollar forward. And there's been some sponsors of, of the PWHPA that have put down significant dollars already, uh, Secret being one of them. They've, mm-hmm. they've put down, I think, a million dollars. Um, but I think I think it needs more. Um, for this to be sustainable. And, and so that's what I'm, I'm ready to see that significant investment. And I think corporations and, and those big investors out there, I think it's right. I think it's coming. I, mm-hmm. I feel like it's coming. And so I'm just, I'm waiting for that big announcement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, you're totally right. And it's the most interesting thing. Cause if you look at where we're at in terms of the landscape of pretty much everything, um, and our social and cultural climate of, of corporations, you know, changing their logos and putting rainbows on it or posting mm-hmm. some of the Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. or talking about, you know, uh, on International Women's Day, making like a graphic being like, we support women. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in terms of this, this idea of raising awareness, you know, I'm a mental health advocate. I raise awareness all the time. It is great. Um, we need to raise awareness about a lot of these things. But yeah. you're so right when it comes down to put your money where your mouth is. And in terms of what what I look at, like 
as a marketer, as a person who works in branding, uh, and I'm not sure if you do that on your side, but as a president of an organization, why wouldn't you not only want to make like the dollar investment to grow something you care about, mm-hmm. but the PR you could get, the the goodwill from consumer. Like it to me, it seems like a no brain like financial investment for any company. And I just, I can't get, understand why someone won't step up and, or many companies won't step up. Yeah. There's such a huge opportunity right now for corporations and and for people to get involved in, and to really lead the charge on this. Um, whether you invest in one league or the other, I think there's a huge opportunity here to, to really make a difference. And, you know, with Grindstone, when we receive the applications from families and from girls every year, we we read them all the way through. And a lot of the girls, when we ask them a question of like, what are your hockey aspirations? And a few of them really don't know. They don't know what's out there, right? Mm. And, or some say, oh, I want to play in school. So I take that to be university college. But they, it almost seems like they think that that's the max. That's the farthest that they can go with hockey. And unfortunately, that's how it is perceived for a lot of people outside of this immediate women's hockey community, right? Because it's not very visible. Mm-hmm. Even the PHF is not very visible. They're, they're starting the process to get more visible, I guess, through ESPN and, and uh, larger ownership deals and investment deals, but it's still not quite there. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, yeah, it's time for, for people to put their mouth, their money where their mouth is. And yeah. uh, I, I would love to see that for at least the the girls in Canada that we support and will support in the future. Absolutely. Like they deserve it because they're just yeah. hardworking. They, and like you kind of mentioned, and I don't think a lot of people realize this again, if you're not totally following the league that mm-hmm. um, like imagine I mean, and I guess you kind of do it to an extent where you probably have a full-time day job and then you're doing all this <laughs> stuff on the side that you work. And I know, yep. I remember um, like when they do like the Olympic profiles or at the world championships, like it's like, oh, you know, uh, so-and-so like pretty much one of the greatest hockey players, also police officer by day. Like, could you imagine trying to balance, like most of us find ba- ha- far- a hard time finding balance now, but especially some of them raising a family, um, working yeah. full time and then trying to train as a professional athlete and, and an Olympian, like pardon me. Yeah. I couldn't even imagine. And yeah, you know, one of my grindstone colleagues, uh, said this to me this past week that nobody really knows how well women could do in professional hockey because they haven't had the opportunity, right. Ever since I was a kid, since they were a kid, right? We don't get the same ice time as boys. Mm -hmm. We don't get the same facility as boys. We don't get the same opportunity, hockey opportunities as boys. And so if that were to suddenly change and girls do have the same hockey opportunities as boys, you can only imagine what that's going to grow to. And so that's what it goes back to investment. The time is now to invest because this is only going to grow. Like the, the ways that, that fans access media now is so different. People want a personalized experience, right? There's going to be sport betting in the future. There's such an opportunity right now for, to just say enough is enough. Let's, let's do this now. And I just, to see women fully get the opportunity 
the same opportunity as men, I, I just think would be incredible. It would be so eye-opening to people to say, wow, like these women really have had a chance to train, to develop and look what they can do with the same resources as men. Yeah, it's so true because some of the best uh, women hockey players like had to go play boys just to get yeah the ice time and, you know, like you said, like access to all the things that are provided for the men. I remember I remember mm-hmm. playing uh, Jamie Lee Rattray as a kid in tournaments. <laughs> um, uh, That's funny. It's funny. And like, I'm a goalie and she was, she yeah. was a player and as we were growing up, like she would skate around everybody. Like it's just, it was ridiculous. And I remember yeah. scored on me quite a few times. Uh, so I always <laughs> have to say that I'm like, Oh, I've been scored on by an Olympian. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. She's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Um, but it's, it's so true. And you hear this common argument from idiot trolls on the internet that, Oh, well, you know, they can't get the same type of investment as men because you know, they don't have, the fan like the fans yeah people don't watch it like you know and it's you look at uh the game it was canada usa that was the world championships that just i mean i i want to see a month or two ago honestly time is gone but it was it was recently yeah it it was like millions of people are watching this game yeah and i'd love to hear your thoughts on this because my the point i always try to make is when I look at what TSN did for the world juniors, they turned this tournament yep. that no one really cared about into this like cultural Canadian phenomenon, like from December 26th on, like everyone mm-hmm. in Canada is almost glued to this tournament. Yep. And that was just from this promotion. I was yep. like, why could you not do, you could do that with the women's game. You just, you're not showing it, but you yeah. can do this if you really cared and wanted to make it work, you could make it work. And it's, been proven time and time again for all these big games mm-hmm. the people will watch millions yeah. of people will watch oh yeah like well as you mentioned it was a it was a record in canada for those who watched the game so that was super exciting but i think media along with investors i think media really need to catch up and and do their part and i one of the things that frustrated me so much is so canada and the us have started this rivalry series mm-hmm. So you go on TV to watch the first game and, and I I'm going through the TV guide and, and it just says women's hockey action. And the, and the channels around it say CFL tie cats versus Argos, um, NHL, whatever, who versus who. And you're like women's hockey action. Like that's all you could put. You couldn't put, uh, Canada versus U.S. Olympic rivalry or um, something to do with game one to, to indicate that this is a series to generate interest. Yeah. And it was so frustrating just to think that all these women are out there and they're playing so hard. They're prepping for these Olympics coming up yep. and they got women's hockey action. Like my gut just, my heart just sunk for them because I know how hard they train. Like the the Canadian uh, team is all centralized right now, training. They're over in Finland, yeah. competing, trying to get better. And and I think that's just an example of of the media needing to get on board with this and really showing their support. Because in situations like that, it really shows that it it just it's not there yet, and it needs to be. Yeah. Somebody somebody needs to catch that. 
before it gets put on to every TV guide in Canada. Yeah, we get the, truly, we get the bare minimum and people are, are like, yeah, you got to be good with that. And like, look at us. We we're supporting the women's game and like literally yeah. <laughs> doing the bare minimum when it comes to that. And, and you're right. Yeah. These are, these are not like, I mean, I would, I'm, much, I'm sure most people would rather watch like this game than like Arizona Buffalo on a Tuesday night, you know, exactly. like these are big games. Like you said, they are prepping for the Olympics Yeah, and anyone who's watched these two teams, like this rivalry is ridiculously like fierce and oh yeah, USA was kicking our ass for a bit, but now recently we're like coming back and we're beaten now yeah. and like, it's going to come to a head at this Olympics and oh, it, yeah. it's, it's, and anyone who's watched this, I'm sure you agree, especially 2010 and 2014, um, those two gold medal games between the two were some of the most dramatic, best hockey games yeah. I've ever watched in my entire yeah, lifetime. Exactly. And, and so many people just like you rant and rave about them. And I look at the games that are coming up in uh, Kingston and Ottawa um, sad to say, I won't be in Ottawa, but oh. I'll be, I'll be in Kingston though. I'll be in well, Kingston. I live in Ottawa and I'm going to Ottawa's game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm driving up for the Kingston game and, uh, it was so cool to see it sold out in two days, two days. Like, and that's in Kingston, nothing against Kingston, but I mean, like, I can only imagine that it wouldn't have even lasted two days in, in Toronto or, or another city, but like it just it just goes to show how much support there is behind the professional players and so i i really hope that this momentum continues um because i mean you did mention yeah the phf was in the news this week and you know part of me is happy that women's hockey is in the news like it is so much you know you go on twitter and it's all women's hockey and you go now, now the news on my phone every couple of days, there's some sort of update about the PHF and starting their season and, and uh, the rivalry series and, and such like that. So I really hope this momentum can continue. I, yeah, the appetite is totally there. It, yeah. It's absolutely the consumer market, the app, like it, I went, well, actually funny enough, you're talking about being frustrated about TV. So I went to buy the tickets for Ottawa and like mm-hmm. it, the link didn't even work for like the first five days. I was like, oh, that's frustrating. Like, would this happen? Like, would this happen if it was yeah. something else? Like, I don't, yeah, maybe it was just a glitch, but you know, I'm we're cynical now. It, yeah. It truly, it's like, it's hard to believe people have sometimes the best intentions when it comes to this. Yeah. And I'm like trying to support, it. I want to get my tickets, and thankfully I did. And it was almost sold out, I think, by the time when I was looking at tickets. Um, but like, it's just, it's, it's little things like that, that the, the, the details that would never be missed if it was like an NHL team exactly, or, or the Olympics men's team yeah. doing a tour, like that shit would never happen. Exactly. Exactly. That's why I think, I think we can all step up when it comes to women's hockey and just, um, that's why I try to promote it as much as I can friends and family. Um, my neighbor next door, he, he's a cutie. He, uh, he always comes over and asks me about hockey. How's hockey going? How, what, what's up? What should I be watching on TV? And uh, so I always tell him when Canada and US are playing and, and he'll come over, he'll wonder over and be like, did you see that goal? Oh, okay. Like there's interest there. It's, it's, yeah. Not to mention like 
these tickets, like I think it was like 25 bucks a ticket. Like if you're, Uh if you're a family, which we already Uh know, we've talked about, like, I don't know if you've noticed, life is real expensive these days. Um, And if you wanted to take a family of four to like an NHL game, it would cost you like 150 to 200 or $500, like depending where you want to sit. Yeah. Whereas like if we gave access to games like this, like mm-hmm. the women's game, like you, it's a much more affordable experience for like a family to go out and enjoy the sport, enjoy hockey. And if we're talking about growing the game for everybody, like yeah. it's such an opportunity. It is. And, but I also think it's a, it's a way, there's an opportunity there to, to demonstrate that people are willing to pay for women's hockey. Yeah. So as much as, yeah, it's affordable in quotations, you know, it's also, how do I want to say it? Like, so tickets are 25 bucks. How much, how much would you really be wanting to spend on women's hockey? Like if I, if I said, okay, there's a Canada USA game coming up um, and there's no price value, how much would you pay? I'd pay the same value I would, I would on sense tickets. Um, I don't yeah. usually go above a hundred dollars, uh, but I, for like a game, I, this is a game I'm super genuinely excited for that. I, yeah. like a must see for me. They yeah, never come I'm to surprised. Ottawa. Women never come to Ottawa. It is annoying. They always go to Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal. No one comes to Ottawa. Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I was surprised to see the ticket price so low because the, the quality of the product, the girl, the women on the ice is so high. And I think it's time to to start raising that. And obviously they want to make the games more accessible, but how long can you do that for? Like, mm-hmm. I think I think out there, once there is um, a league that is able to sell tickets at a higher price, I honestly think that they could get easily $50. Yeah. Like $50 a ticket. People yeah, would pay 100s for sure. Yeah. Like there's no question in my mind they, that that's like, what is... Like if you want to go to Toronto and see a Leafs game, I don't know what they're, they're probably like 300 bucks to sit in the 100s. Like you can absolutely. Yeah. I tried to get Leafs tickets last weekend and it didn't go so well. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully Ottawa, like no one wants to see the game. So there's always tickets. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's bad. My question for you is we've talked about all this potential and I, I'm, I totally agree with you. Do you see it happening? Can you foresee it happening at this current rate or do we have to, you know, be activists, like even more so to try to put the pressure on companies and media to, mm-hmm. to make it happen. I think we're going to have to put a little bit more pressure on. I think right now there's some good stuff happening. Uh, there's some really good campaigns happening. Um, Budweiser just did this awesome statue this week. I don't know if you saw it. Um, yeah. But when I saw it, I, th- I thought, <clears throat> finally, there is a statue that represents the other half of the game. Like, so I think right now we're in this phase where we're filling gaps, we're, we're building awareness, as, as we say. Um, and I think it's just going to take one. I think it's going to take one corporation or one big investor, um, say a Drake or a Justin Bieber, mm. you know, um, coming in and and really putting some fire to this. And I I feel confident about the celebrity model. I just think it's so cool. I don't know if um, you know much about Angel City Football Club. Um, mm. They're starting in LA. And 
they are a women's soccer team that's going to be playing in the National Women's Soccer League. And they haven't even started yet. They, they don't even know who their team is, but they've um, their owners are Natalie Portman, a bunch of other celebrities who have come together for a cause and have put their names behind it. And now this team is getting so much sponsorship, so much traction, and they don't even have a team yet. Wow. Like it's hilarious. So I, I have this feeling, I don't know if you saw the, the tweet the other day, um, uh, when Drake, or it was Instagram, Drake went on Instagram and said, where's my Toronto WNBA team? And how much traction that got. Like it was everywhere, it made the news, you know, and I want somebody so badly to tweet the same about women's hockey yeah. like if a Justin Bieber or somebody who is a hockey fan but also knows that women deserve this can send out something I honestly think or put a little money behind it I think that's going to be the answer I think it's going to happen but I think as I said we've got maybe a little more to go on the whole selling the solution and and identifying the gaps for people but I think it's there it's going to happen yeah, it's so interesting because, I mean, from the research I've done and I've heard, it seems like um, both kind of organizations are waiting for the NHL to step in. And that seems yeah. to be like the the one they want to to make the investment. And don't get me wrong, the NHL, I mean, should. And if anything, right now would be a great time after the absolute shit show their brand is facing. But you're, the celebrity model is is definitely interesting. And I'm trying to even think, like, I can't even off the top of my head, think of a celebrity who actively talks about or participates in, in this game. Like the, the women themselves who play are the celebrities, right? Like you, Kendall Coyne and Philippe, mm-hmm. or Marie Philippe Poulin and, and, you know, yeah, they're the ones talking about, like, I don't, I can't think off the top of my head of like a celebrity. Whoever. You make a good point. Yeah. You, you make a very good point. And that's, that's a gap. That's a, that's a huge opportunity there for, um, to really propel this forward is yeah. Awareness and yeah, it's sad. Now I'm thinking like, <laughs> I, I know. can't even think of some. <laughs> and like, I, I, I like to think that I'm incredibly plugged into the hockey world, uh, not yeah. only just men's hockey, but the women's game. Um, and you know, I'm on Twitter a lot. And I just, it, yeah. I could be missing someone if I am. Please no, I don't think me, you are. But... Yeah, I don't think you are. You know, I, I get the whole waiting for the NHL. Um, it makes sense. NHL is the league that's in place. But I, I think there's an opportunity here to be really unique. And I don't think that the women, I, I don't know. Like, do they need the NHL? Like the NHL, like so much has happened the last couple of weeks that has exposed the culture. And is that really the only option? And I, and I don't mean to say sound negative, but is that, is that the right move? Is that, is there another option? And that's why I throw out the celebrity idea, Mm -hmm. you know, could it just, could it be fans binding together and creating an ownership structure that's fan based. Mm. Like now that shit is unique. That mm. like I don't think that's happened before. Yeah, like that's... how cool would it be for for a corporation to go in and say, "Hey, we'll match whatever fans put into this. We'll we'll co-own the league." That'd be cool. 
Yeah. That I would mean, be worth writing a story about. They, I mean, in one form or another, they kind of do that with like arenas because it's tax dollars, but that, yeah. that that's a really good idea. And, you know, I was just kind of thinking as well, like, um, do you ever listen to 32 Thoughts with Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman? No. Um, I, I, I mean, I listen to so much Jeff Merrick in a week. It's incredible. <laughs> but um, so the hockey podcast, obviously, and they've, They've had um, they've had Tyler Timini on, and they have they they do a good pretty good job for the most part. Yeah. Um, but what I was just kind of thinking is when when I there was this idea that they were they're talking about, especially over the summer, where former junior hockey players um, sometimes have this dream where they want to own a junior hockey team. And mm-hmm. why, when we talk about the celebrity model, like why could why wouldn't an NHL player want to own a women's team? Why would they not want to make that investment with a couple other players? You know, you, you see them wear the shirts, um, which is great. It's great. I would love to see it, but do you want to help even more? And maybe, you know, Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, and do you want to own a women's team in Toronto? And and go, you know, maybe that, I, I mean, that's the celebrity, they're hockey players, they're world known. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe not the world. The NHL does a pretty poor job of marketing stars, but <laughs> we know the hockey community knows. And I think, I think for a lot of, unfortunately for a lot of men and especially old school men, like that's almost like the endorsement you kind of need to, to yeah. push that along, you know? It's, yeah. It's sad reality. Yeah. I don't disagree with you. I, I think there, there could be an opportunity there to pull together. Um, yeah, because who better than than male players who know the type of experience that they've had and need to be successful? And so I can only assume that they want the same for their female counterparts. It, it's the same idea of players going to the Olympics in my mind that when you grow the game, you grow everybody's game because you yes. create new fans in right. They're not mutually exclusive if someone's going to be a fan of the women's game. They're going to be a fan of the man, like the men's game. And you you know, if you want more women to love hockey and, you know, not even women, like, you know, you look at the LGBTQ plus communities, the communities that have traditionally been underserved by, and not only that exploited and often abused by the hockey culture, you know, if we can create something that really pulls them and makes them a part of it truly makes them a part of yeah it. like you want to say hockey's for everyone like let's truly make it for everybody because that will yeah. really grow the game for everyone oh yeah 100 yeah i think they're just i think there needs to be some action behind these the hockey is for all hockey is for everyone um it's definitely it, it's so so true and hockey needs to be more inclusive like i can only like I growing up, I had a I had a friend on my team who came out as gay and immediately left the team. Oh. Like, okay. Um, like that would never happen today because like there's at least in in the Hamilton area, it's a little bit, it's a bit better. I can't speak to other associations and um such like that, but you know, I think times have changed a lot. Um, but it can definitely be better. Yeah. Um, do you know who uh, Dr. Cheryl McDonald is on? I don't know. I follow her on Twitter. She was on my podcast before. Um, yeah. Same with like uh, Brock McGillis. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I know Brock. So same, like, she's a researcher in this, but 
we were kind of talk when she was on, we were kind of talking about, you know, how it's 2021 and we were seeing so much um, d- diversity in, in terms of the rest of the world. And like, we just had our mm-hmm. first, I mean, Brock McGillis was the first, but like NHL prospect person in this, this, the pipeline of the NHL, um, he, uh, Logan Mayu, uh, come out like in 2021, yeah. like that was the first, I know like, it seems so weird. Yeah. And it's crazy that it's news. Like, obviously I'm excited and happy that, that more stories are being shared. I think, I think that is so helpful is to mm-hmm. share those stories, but it's crazy that it's still news breaking news. And so I hope we get to a place in the future where it's, it's not, um, but we'll get there. Yeah. Well, yeah, we went well. And I love that there's so many people pushing now and people speaking out against it. Um, yeah. As a hockey fan in general, mm-hmm. like, where are you at with the game right now? Because I know, especially with the NHL, I mean, it's, it's hard to be a fan. Like I still love hockey, but it's hard to be a fan right now. Do you feel the same in any way? Yeah, I do. You know, when, when Kyle's story hit a few weeks ago, I, I was shocked because I think I live in my own bubble when it comes to hockey. I've always had really good experiences, really great coaches, really, yeah, really good teammates. And when his story came out, when he shared a story, I was just shocked that that could even happen. Like what wasn't in place or what was going on at that time? Because, you know, everybody looks at the NHL up on a pedestal, Mm -hmm. right? And it's the best league ever. Everybody's treated so well. And the NHL has been doing all these campaigns and everything on, on the, from the outside looks really great. And then you see those pictures surfacing of uh, a couple of guys hoisting the Stanley cup and you see so-and-so is gay written in the background. And you're like, yeah, that's the culture of that team. Like, why did nobody walk by that whiteboard and like rub it out? Like, why did that even happen? And so it kind of, it was surprising just because I've never really understood the culture of the NHL and, and maybe it's different today. Maybe it's not. Um, So I was definitely, I was definitely shocked. Yeah. Um, I know. I know there's quite a discrepancy in terms of the man's game and like the women's game, because I mean, the women's game is quite inclusive and they have not only openly gay players, but uh, trans players, mm non-binary players. And it's, it's a, much more inclusive experience yeah. in terms of the diversity of people who are playing. Yeah, it certainly is. And I think it's because like women have always had to adapt. We've, we've always had to adjust, welcome more people because we ourselves weren't always included. Um, and I think it has something to do with that. Maybe that's not all of it, but I think it's definitely some of it. Um, and yeah, it, it's sad when you think about it. Um, that that it is that way. Um, I, I really hope that the culture changes in in men's hockey. Um, mm-hmm. And and again, I can't speak for all like all of the women's culture, but I can only speak from my own experience. I, I know that there are players out there that that have probably 
um, gone through similar um, experiences. But yeah, I, I think it's just because we've always had to fight. We've always had to fight for our right to be at the table or fight for our right to be at certain arenas, using certain facilities, you know, um, getting the training uh, that the Olympians deserve, you know. So mm -hmm. we've just naturally had to, um, we've naturally wanted to welcome people in to help to, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. I mean, like personal little story on um, like the, how bad the, the men's game is and I mean, like I said, I haven't, I haven't played and I play, but I haven't played like organized in, in, you know, 11 years now, which is makes me feel real old. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, it was so bad as, as a teenager, uh, just, just 10 years ago, like 2010, mm -hmm. uh, like playing junior hockey that like the, the hazing, the, the things that went on in the locker room. Um, like it took until the Me Too movement and a much more broader understanding of what sexual assault is. Mm -hmm. for, it took me to realize that some of the things that happened to me and other players was sexual assault. And it was just so normal that that you didn't even like you didn't like it, but like you just like were like, oh, like whatever. It's just what the older yeah. players do. Got to get boys will be boys. Yeah, and even for me, and I'm sure a lot of other men out there, like some of the things that happened that made us real uncomfortable. We're like, oh wow, like yeah. And it if you went to the person who may have did it, they probably wouldn't even remember. Like it would, like, yeah. It was just like what was happening. Mm -hmm. And I have a feeling it's maybe a little better, but I can't see it all that all going away. It's just, um, I mean, a lot of people would classify hockey as like homoerotic in a way, like the way some people act in the dressing room. Yeah. Um, it's so, so I don't know where it's at today and how NHL no. or anything do. Oh, hopefully there's, there's better leaders out there these days and, and coming into the coaching world and the staff world who, who can really start to put an end to it if it's not already happening. Cause nobody deserves to go through that. And that's. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to find words to even like, like talk about it. It's just, it's so upsetting and so upsetting that we just have let it happen for years upon years and years. And we've had so many people come forward, whether it's Sheldon Kennedy or Kyle beach. And it's just like, like where are we're where we're 2021 and what's changed what's really exactly like nothing and exactly it's a going back to that sponsor conversation i don't want to call any companies specifically out but mm -hmm. they'll continue to support the nhl but they won't invest in the women's game no matter yeah. how much the nhl continues to just like i mean like let things slide like this and have yeah. constant pr disaster on on all these things it's yeah and and that's a little bit of why i'm here why i am the president of grindstone is because i i i do believe that everybody deserves to be treated well and i believe that girls hockey has should have a path girls should know where they want to play in the future um i believe that women's hockey that those women shouldn't have to have side hustles you know, I truly believe that there's there's something out there that we can be doing to, um, you know, improve the women's game and and 
I know I'm only in a volunteer position to your point <laughs> earlier. I have a, I have a day job. And so I only do this uh, in my evenings for the most part, but I, I hope to make a difference for mm-hmm. these young girls who want to be able to make a future of women's hockey. And um, if, if it can't, if it doesn't start with me, then, then who, right? Yeah. And that's, I mean, people like you who, who see it and not only just, you know, retweet some things, which is great, but mm-hmm. like to actually like, like not only offer to volunteer, but then offer to be president. <laughs> I mean, I admire people like you so much because you're the people who are on the ground making like a difference, like driving to Kingston to, yeah, to promote this. Like to me, it's like amazing. It, it absolutely is. Yeah, of course. And, and I'm, I'm kind of getting a little settled in, in Twitter. I have a bit more confidence than I used to. So that's what, when the uh, women's hockey action was on TV, I, I had no issue tweeting, uh, <laughs> tweeting the media going like, what the heck's going on over there? So, yeah. yeah. What, uh, what sorts of things do you see the future of for Grindstone? Like what are, I, I mean, don't, you don't have to say mm-hmm. everything that's on like, you know, your actionable agenda, but what are some of the plans? What are the, some of the big things we can expect? Oh, well, yeah, I can definitely share some stuff. Well, okay. So first of all, um, just a little background on our grants. It, so for the last two years, we've given out 25 grants per season. So each grant is $500. We've given out 25, but each season we've had way more applications. So this season, I think we had 75 applications the year before, um, before COVID was well over a hundred. So we had to turn down a ton of girls, unfortunately. And so the board and I are, are super, um, um, we're, we're really putting our heads down right now, making new strategies, trying to come up with a way to bring in more funds for Grindstone so that we don't ever have to turn a girl away. We don't want to take a girl off the ice due to financials, right? Um, So a couple of things that we're doing are, we are trying to find more people that have uh, experience in grant writing. So we can apply for grants that can, we can bring in funds to um, hopefully employ some people at Grindstone. Um, And so that, that should help move us along. We wanna get, involved with corporations. We want to build those relationships. We, we've seen a couple out there that are interested in, in female hockey. And so we'd love to bring them on board in a sponsorship capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's ultimately where we're going. We're also, we've got a ton of events coming up. We, we go to a lot of tournaments, a lot of the uh, hockey association tournaments, and we're joining the PWHPA on their dream cap tour this year in Canada. So uh, this weekend, I'm going to be in Truro, um, and we're going to have a booth there. And yeah, every time we go to a Dream Gap Tour stop, we actually see an increase in applications uh, from that community. So we haven't had a lot of applications from the East Coast, so I'm really excited to get out to Nova Scotia this weekend. Go to Nova Scotia, but won't come to Ottawa. I see. I get it. It's fine. Ryan. <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> uh, that's, that's that's amazing. And uh it's so exciting. Um, Lots super, of good stuff. Yeah. And super important to remember that, like, again, when you're looking at organizations like yours, that like you're all volunteering on your off all time. of us. Yeah. Um, like, it's just to me, when I, I meet people like you and, and 
people who do stuff like this, who who try to make that change. Like it just, it, may, it inspires me and I hope it inspires others and like motivates them to be like, like, I got to get off my ass. Like, let's go. <laughs> and uh, go do something. Yeah. Like, it's just like, it's great. And, and it's like amazing that you're getting all these applications as you go out. But like you said that, like, sometimes you have to like turn people down and yeah, like, that's a devastating feeling on it. Yeah. But we hope to get to a place where we don't have to, you know, that's why we're putting in the work now. And, Mm -hmm. um, I don't have a lot of evenings free because of that, but you know, it's, it's for girls, you know, and, and building the pipeline. And, um, so if you ever have some extra hours, we'd love to have you as a volunteer, Ryan. (laughs) We can chat. We can, we can chat. chat yeah nice um absolutely because i would like i said uh, right off the top but i i believe that the and throughout this conversation i think i've i've said my piece that i believe the game for women should i'm like right along with your mission it uh it's super important to me and i'm not trying to like as a man like say that oh look at me uh because i'm doing it but i think as with my mission of this whole idea of toxic masculinity that unfortunately a lot of men need another man to tell them or at least show them. Um, It's, it's sad. I hate it, but I mean, you see the trolls on Twitter and everything like just like, they just, unfortunately they're just not there mentally and cognitively to, to make these decisions on their own. So I just think it's important to, to not only support it with money and everything, but openly support it. Um, Yeah, absolutely. That's what's needed to be like proud and be like, look at me, like I can support you can too type thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, we have a lot of male supporters actually. Um, So it's, yeah, we, we get a few emails um, from time to time from men who want to support and, and, they're not always fathers. I think there's this assumption that in order for a male to uh, march with an organization to do with females, you have to have a daughter, but that's not true. (laughs) Yeah. It's like when people like say like, you know, I have a wife or a daughter or a sister, like no woman deserves to be abused. Like it shouldn't, you don't have to qualify it by being like what your association, you could be like everyone should just agree. Like that's the right thing to say. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Um, it's important also to, to know, like you are a registered not-for-profit. Um, yes. Yes. So we that... are registered not-for-profit in Canada. Um, we are always looking for donations and also ways to get out in the community. So, um, yeah, if anybody watching this wants to get involved with Grindstone, we would absolutely love to have you, um, check out the website, grindstoneaward.com. All the information is there. Social media. Social media. I was going to give you the plug, but you're right on top of it. So yeah, social media uh, is at Grindstone Award. Grindstone Award. Um, Laura, this was a a, a super treat for me. I'm so (laughs) glad uh, to have you and uh, connect with you and um, have you speak on this stuff because super important. I love what you do in this mission. So uh, I'm happy to chat about uh, how I can help in any way. Well, thank you, Ryan. Thanks for an awesome first podcast experience. <laughs> It'll never, no one else can ever live up now. Yeah, I'll <laughs> never forget it. <laughs> you take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes.